Thank you, thank you, uh, Lori Beth. She's not in the room, is she right now? No, but thank you, Lori Beth, for being so, so real. And what I heard in her story was that God is able. Amen? Yeah. God is able. Have you ever had maybe a date that you would, uh, have, would never forget? Have you ever gone on a date that you'd never forget for the rest of your life till you go lay down in the grave, you won't forget it? Well, um, a few years ago, I decided to go on a date with my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time. She was just my girlfriend. And we were in Ontario, and I decided, you know, it was about the end of May. Let's go canoeing. And so there's this river not far from our house, a little river called the Tay River in Ontario. And I had never been on it before, and I wanted to go on it. And so... Um, my dad, we, we load up the canoe, and we go to the, the upper end of the river, and he sends us off, just me and Melissa, and we start going on this nice, nice, quiet, you know, canoe ride. The sun's out. It's nice. It's a nice, warm spring day. We get going for so far, and then I look ahead, and I see, like, little ripples in the water. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> and so... We start paddling for these ripples because there's nowhere to go. And I notice that the water starts picking up a little speed. And there's nowhere to go but straight through. And so we somehow make it through these first little rapids. And we're like, wow, that, that really changed things. Before it was so la-ti-da. And now it's, you got to be concentrated. And I see another set of little rapids coming up. And this time, you know, I'm ready. We can do this. And so we start, I'm in the back steering, and we, tr- we get going, and it picks up speed, and I'm trying to keep us straight, you know, but I notice that, like, the canoe's starting to go sideways, and before I know it, whoosh, we flip over, over we go. Did I mention this was May? We weren't planning on going for a swim that day. But here we are in the water, and I'm trying to, like, make sure I have my paddle. It's not floating away. I'm pulling this, like, flipped oversized canoe to the shore. And we get to the shore, and thankfully, the only thing I lost was a rubber boot. Because you canoe with rubber boots on, right? Who doesn't do that? (laughs) What I realized, one of my takeaways from that experience was not just being soaking wet from head to toe, but it was that even little rivers can be quite powerful at certain times. I want to talk to you today about power, but not the power of a river or the power of nature. I want to talk to you about God's power, God's power at work in our lives. Starting last week, we are beginning this year on a series called Stories of Hope, and we looked at that that word hope. We put it in an acrostic, and we said that last week, We made that H stand for help. We can have hope today because God is there to help us in our time of need. We said the O stands for overcome. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We can overcome even in our circumstances because he is the hope in our life. And today, as I just mentioned, I want to talk about power. The power, God's power, working in us as believers today. I want to take you to a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul is writing to the 
the Christians in the city of Ephesus, and he's, he's writing a prayer to them. Now, I'm not going to go through and read the whole prayer to you today, but it goes on to say he had about four requests, four things. He says, I pray that you'd have spiritual strength. Number two, I pray that you'd have depth in Christ. I pray that you would understand God's love and I pray that you would be filled with God's fullness. That was his prayer for those early believers. And he sums it all up. Before he says amen, he puts in one more sentence. This truth statement about who God is to us. And I want to read that. That's chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 20. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may have heard of that verse before. Sometimes at the end of a service, you know, before we close, we'll do something called the benediction. And we'll sometimes say that verse and then say, have a great week, see you, bye. Sometimes the most familiar things in our lives, we stop paying attention to them because we think we know it, right? I want to do a little experiment with you, and you guys are all my guinea pigs today. I'm going to put up a sentence on the screens, and I want to see if you can, if you can read it, okay? Sound good? Let's do it. Can you read this? So, apparently, apparently studies show that our minds, when we read things, we actually don't read all the letters. We just, as long as the first letter and the last letter are where they should be, everything else can all be jumbled up. And so, let me, let me attempt this. It says, do you find this simple to read? Because of the phenomenal power of the human mind, most people do. Now, I want to say this right now. If you didn't, if you didn't get to read that, this isn't this, this isn't a real scientific IQ test at all. This is just something I pulled up on the internet. But it's just, uh, it, therefore it must be true. Yes, thank you, Glenn. I brought it up to show you, just to remind us, that sometimes our brain just likes to fill in the gaps. We can skim stuff, and the benefit of it is, is that it's quick, right? But the problem is, is when we read Scripture, the goal isn't to see how quick we can get through it. That really doesn't have a lot of spiritual benefit at all. You may have heard that kind of, it's almost become a cliche. It's, it's not about how much, that we, how much of the Bible we can get through, but it's how much of the Bible gets through us, right? That, that is the goal. And um, sometimes we just be, become so overly familiar with Verses like the verse that I just read to you. And that's why today I want to spend a little time just looking at Ephesians 3, verse 20. I want us to look at a couple, a couple phrases, a couple little chunks, and look at them with a little more depth. We're not skimming today. We're, we're looking deeper into it. And the first thing I want to, sh- to, you to point out to you today is number one, where it says, God who is able. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Have you ever tried to improve yourself? Maybe you tried to lose weight. Maybe you got on a workout program or 
maybe you tried to learn a new skill or, or even you tried to kick, you know, a bad habit that you've wanted to get rid of. Well, if you go on the internet or if you go into a bookstore, you will find no shortage of information, books, and courses on how you can make yourself better. We call it the self-help section of the bookstore. And I have read a lot of self-help stuff over my life, and I find there's a couple things that are always the same. One of the big things is that you need, in their mind, is that you need to have the right mindset, which is part, and also that includes motivation, and you also have to have the right method. Their method, of course. Their method is the right method. And you know, with self-help, there's this idea, this underlying belief that we can just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, that we can, whatever we set our sights to, with the right mindset and method, we can accomplish it. We have it, we have it in us to be able to do that. We can be masters of our destiny. Or you may have heard of that, that, that saying that says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right, right? It's all about the, the mindset thing. But I want to tell you today that if you're walking the Christian life, willpower and motivation, it's, it's not enough, is it? I don't want to bash any of those things because who doesn't want to have more willpower in their life and be more motivated to do the right things? But it's not enough. We can't just struggle through it on our own. We can't just, yeah, pull ourselves up by the bootstrap sometimes. Sometimes there are things more powerful than anything we have in us, in ourselves, that we can't do it. In our culture right now, there's just such a, there's such a me focus, and there's been a me focus for a long, long time, isn't it? The beginning and the end, it's all about me. But we're confronted today with a different narrative in here. And this narrative, it doesn't begin with you or me, does it? What were the first words in the book of Genesis? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And Paul is saying here to those Ephesians, he wants to remind them right from the get-go that it is God who is able. Notice it doesn't say us, me, who is able with the power working in me to do whatever I want. It doesn't say me. It says it's, it's God's ability in our lives. And that is such a, a key thing if we want to walk the walk in faith is that we have to rely on God's strength and not our own. And it sounds so cliche. I get it. But I don't know about you. I find it so freeing to know that God isn't just expecting me to follow a bunch of rules to, that I'm supposed to carry out in my own strength. I'm so thankful that he knows is that our strength, we can't do it on our own, and that is why he gives us his strength, his mighty power working in us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, but you will receive, what is it? Power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, when you have God's power in your life, it, it's, it makes things different. 
I think, I think of the Apostle Peter. What, a, what better example is there? When you look at his life before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit filled him with power, and look at him after. You know, Peter was one of those, you can tell he really loved God, but he often tried to do things in his own strength or what made sense to him. This was the guy who Jesus was saying that everyone was going to forsake him. And, and Paul, or Peter says, not me, Lord. I'm your guy. I'm never going to forsake you. Jesus says, actually, you're going to forsake me not one, not two, but three times. Another place, Jesus was telling his disciples how he would have to suffer and die and then rise on the third day. And you know what Paul, Peter said? He rebuked Jesus and said, not over my dead body you're not. You're not going to go suffer and die. I'm going to protect you. And Jesus has to rebuke Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. This was the guy who, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they're arresting Jesus, he, in the spur of the moment, not really thinking on what best to do, just sees a sword, grabs it, and cuts off a guy's ear. I don't know what his plan was after that. (laughs) But there he was, nonetheless. You know, one of those people that kind of act first and think later. But then Pentecost happened. And if you ever read the book of Acts and you know that Peter in the back of your mind from the Gospels, it's the same Peter, but it's a little different. He preaches on that day of Pentecost to those thousands of people and Thousands come to know the Lord. He, he now walks the way Jesus walked and there's miracles and healings taking place. He's not afraid of persecution and you still see that confidence that he had, but now you, you sense that the confidence, it's, it's not in himself like before. It's, it's in the Lord's power. There was a, a missionary in the 20th century. His name was... Um, let me see what his name was. His name was Herb, Herbert Jackson. And he later became a missions professor at a university. And he used to tell his students, apparently, that when he, was first, when he first became a missionary, his first station, and I'm not sure where it was, but he got there with his family, and they were given a house to live in, and they were given a car to drive around. But this car was quite old and in need of some work and he was kind of told that it doesn't actually start on its own anymore. And you know the old manual stick shifts. If you give them a push and you can pop the clutch while it's in gear, you can actually get it started. And so Herb, he thought to himself, he came up with this grand plan on how he was going to get his car started every morning. Apparently he lived next to a school and he talked to the principal and they agreed that they would send a bunch of kids over to push his car every morning to get it started. And then once it got going, he, he couldn't turn it off or he had to park at the top of a hill. He did this for a couple of years. I guess they were, must have been tight on money. He didn't think to go to a mechanic or anything like that. And after a couple of years, for, for health reasons, I think it was, the Herb and his family, they had to move back to the States. And so another missionary couple, they came to take their place. And so Herb is showing them around, he's showing them the house that they're going to be living in, and he's showing them this car, and he's telling them how it won't work right. And as he's talking and explaining how it won't start, this this new guy just pops up the hood, and he's, you know, looking and digging around inside the engine to see what's going on here. 
And about a minute later, he comes back and pops out and he says, Herb, I think the reason that it's not starting is because of a loose wire. <laughs> what? No. And sure enough, he tightens up this, this wire and it starts right up. I actually had this happen with, to me this summer, actually, with my father-in-law's truck. The same thing. It was just a loose wire. And can you imagine, this Herb guy went to great lengths for two years, pushing his car, parking it on hills, when all that was stopping him was to tighten up a loose wire. It's a cute little story, I know, but when I turn it back on me as a reflection, I ask myself, Am I like Herb in that car? Do I sometimes push forward in my own strength? Do I do ministry out of my own strength sometimes instead of looking to him for the power? I want to tell you today that God is able. He is able and that we do not need to strive and be pushing that car, so to speak, trying to get it started. But he's saying, I want you to rely and rest on my power within me. And you know, I've found it helpful at times. It's so easy to start walking on your own strength, isn't it? It's, it just seems like human nature. But I found it helpful at times, just even, even as going throughout the day, just like a little whisper of prayer under your breath and just a confession of the truth of God, just even something like saying, God, I'm just, I thank you today that I can walk in your power. I'm thankful that it's not, you say, it's, it's not my strength that is gonna get me through this, but that you put your strength and power within me. God is able. Now, you might be saying, able to do what? What's he able to do? Well, I want to touch on one more little phrase in that verse. God is able to do this infinitely more. Infinitely more. It says he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. When you think of that word infinite, what do you think about you know, infinite means like without measure. You can't actually measure it. And actually, it was Melissa saying that she thinks of the stars in the sky. Ever gone out on a dark night and see all these stars? Have you ever tried counting them? <laughs> no point in doing that, is there? Or maybe you've seen a picture in space from the Hubble, uh, the Hubble Space, uh, what is it, telescope. And you see all these little dots and then you're told, like, oh, that's a planet. Oh, actually, that little star there is not a star. It's a galaxy. Like, it just goes on and on and on. Infinite. And Paul is telling these Ephesian people, he's saying God is able to do what? He's able to do infinitely more than you could ever think he could do within you, in your life. My question is, do we expect God to do infinitely more? Do we really expect him? 
to be able to do great things in your and mine life? Do we expect him to bring lasting change in our lives? Do we expect him to use you for his purposes? Do we expect him that he is able to break addictions, that he's able to bring healing? Do we expect him to do infinitely more? Because sometimes we can't, oftentimes actually we don't always comprehend what God is up to in our lives. And he's actually doing something when we sometimes don't think he's doing anything. I, at, our, at, the, at the Bible college that me and Melissa went to, there was a professor there, his name was Mike McNeil. And Mike, his, one of his jobs at the school was he would take students um, on trips doing ministry outside the four walls of the church. So every week they would go out to soup kitchens, they would go to prisons, they would do street ministry, they would go on a trip to New York City usually once a year, and then they would go on a missions trip maybe to Guatemala or Honduras. And so as you can imagine, doing that for decades and decades, you start to get a whole list of stories of what God has done in those situations. And he tells us one story in a book he wrote, and him and a group of Kingswood students, they went to this youth detention center. And so they were setting up in this gymnasium in this youth detention center. They were setting up to do their service. They're going to have music. They were, and then Mike was going to speak. And he said, it just felt tense. It felt so tense in that room. And so all the students, the, kid, the teens come in. There's about 100 of them. And... They do the music, and then Mike gets up to share some few things, and it just seems like everyone is indifferent or hostile to the message that he's saying. He said even the guards seemed hostile. And so at the very end, he, he gives a, an invitation. He says, if you would like to receive you know, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you stick up your hand? And he said, out of that group of 100, one person stuck up their hand. And so as the service closed, him and another student named Mo, they ran towards this guy and they, they prayed with him. And just as they were done praying, the guard kind of just dragged this guy away. Like the guards didn't want people there. They were in a hurry. And so as a last ditch effort, the student Mo, he just says, here, take my Bible. And the guy takes it as he is taken off to his cell. And Mike says, as they drove home from that event, him and his students, they were just so frustrated inside. It felt like a complete failure of a day. Like, there was nothing going on there. It was spiritually dead. No one seemed to, to respond. And the one person who did, they didn't even have time to follow up with him. How was he ever going to get discipled or grow in his faith? Mike said about 10 years later, he was speaking at a youth rally. And at the end of the youth rally, this 25-year-old guy comes up and he says, Mike, do you remember me? And Mike sees a lot of people in his life and he's looking him up and down. He's saying, no. And then this guy, he shows him this Bible and it has this, this guy, Mo, his name right on it. And, and Mike's like, that's, he's still not putting it together. He's saying, that's interesting. Like, I know Mo and he's a pastor now in Virginia somewhere, but how do you have his Bible? And this guy, Gordy, he says, Many years ago, you, you came to this, uh, this youth detention center, and I was there, and you prayed for me, and you gave me a Bible. And he said, I went later that evening, and I started reading it. And he said, I felt, I felt like a peace that I hadn't felt ever before. And he said, for some reason, I just decided to pray, 
and it just felt like God's presence or something came into this, into my room. And he said, I went to bed that night and I woke up and I have never been the same since. And he went to, when he got out, he started attending a church and he said he was still there to that day. And Mike later, he calls up this other guy, Mo, this student who had given him the Bible and tells him the story and they're just blown away because they thought it was a failure. They thought that day nothing had come about. They, didn't, they weren't even able to, you know, follow up with that guy. But God is able. God is able to do great things infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. And you might say, oh, that, that's a great story, but I don't think that could be me. I don't think that could be my story, but I say, sure, it could. Maybe there's someone in your life right now who, to you, they just seem so totally turned off. They seem not interested in spiritual things in any way. And you're thinking, they're just, it's just a waste of time for me to try to, to, to talk with them. But they're watching, and God is able. And maybe, just maybe, in decades to come, someone is going to stand up and say, it was because of you that God has entered into their life. I want to challenge us today to expect more from God. He has given us his power not so that we can live to ourselves. He's given us his power so that we can, what is it, love God and love others? That's what, that's what Jesus did. Did you know he has a purpose for you? Have you ever asked yourself, I wonder why God put me in this place? why I am who I am. He has a purpose for you, and it is maybe even much greater than you and I could ever imagine. What am I saying today? We have hope because God's power is at work in our lives. My question today as we close is, how is your faith level? I have to admit, there have been times in my life where I have let human reasoning and logic get the upper hand and I've started to look at my circumstances through the lenses of science, the lenses of human reasoning, the lenses of logic, and there's nothing wrong with that so long as they do not trump the lenses of faith. I want to challenge you today and encourage you with those words that he is able to do infinitely more in your life than you could ask or imagine. I began by telling you how me and Melissa were stuck on the side of a riverbank, wet, head to toe. We had to decide what we were going to do next. And just as we were about to push off and start canoeing again, I noticed the water. There was something funny, like farther down the river. And so I said, you know, while we're on land, I'm, I should probably go and walk the bank and see what it is. And to my shock, there was an old the remains of an old dam from hundreds of years ago and about an eight or seven or eight foot drop on the other side. And you know, I get to thinking, imagine if we had made it through yeah. that set of rapids only to go over the, the edge of a dam. And I tell you, we didn't have helmets on. It would have not ended pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Game's over is right. Sometimes we don't always know 
We can't see the full picture. We can't see what God is up to. But he does. Let's read that. Or I guess you don't have it, but maybe you know it. Let's read what it says. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Father, we just thank you today that you are able, you are working in our lives to do beyond measure what we couldn't even picture. And so, God, I'm praying today that you would give us again those eyes of faith to see not what isn't, but what could be in your eyes, oh God. I'm just praying, God, for encouragement today for all of, those, for all of us here today that we would once again believe those verses that we've heard so often that you are able, you are working inside us to do infinitely more. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.